Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. and welcome to this latest edition of the Geek Town Behind the Scenes podcast. I'm your host Dave Elliott and this week I am talking to John Heller of Fuse Effects. He is a visual effects supervisor, uh, worked on a whole bunch of different shows. One of the things we're mainly talking to him about him on this interview is HBO's brilliant show The Outsider, which is an adaptation of uh, the Stephen King novel. If it's a show you've been avoiding because you don't really do horror and it's Stephen King, uh, I would say go and watch it it's actually far more of a kind of crime drama with some supernatural weirdness sprinkled across the top uh, it's really really good it's running on sky atlantic in the uk if you want to catch it on there hbo in the us he's also worked in a whole bunch of other different things going back right to the beginning of his cv with films like jingle all the way and titanic uh, he worked on mystery men and uh, the movie solaris worked on some of the fast and furious films there's a whole bunch of different things he then moved into tv he's worked on tv shows such as rush hour the amazon series the last tycoon he worked on true detective the good doctor during this interview he was actually working in new york on bull and was sat in a uh, camera car or a car covered in cameras and nearly got a ticket as well thankfully he did manage to avoid that but uh, yes that happened during the interview as well we talk a little bit about all those shows uh, about his work generally how he got into the industry what it's like doing visual effects what a typical day is like for him and uh, we get a little bit into into the outsider as well uh, we also talk about the upcoming new penny dreadful city of angels series which he has been doing work on with fuse effects as well so uh, we get into all this good stuff as with all these shows it's great if you like to get behind the scenes on a uh, tv show and find out a little bit more about the visual effects side of things for regular news and updates on uh, TV shows you can of course go and listen to Geek Town Radio our main podcast which goes out on Tuesdays you can go and listen to that and that gives you all the latest geeky news on TV films video games all that good stuff you can also find all the other behind the scenes interviews I've done which are up on the same feed as well they're all at geektown.co.uk or search for Geek Town or Geek Town Radio on your podcast app here's the interview with John Heller of FuseFX <laughs> It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. 
wherever you are. Tap the banner to go to monday.com. It's lovely to be able to chat with you because we don't get that many VFX people on there. We've had one or two, but not that many. So uh, it's always nice to talk to some people that aren't composers. I do quite a lot of composers uh, uh, who are lovely, you know, but it's nice to get a bit of variation. I um, have some great composer friends and they're all crap. So <laughs> <laughs> no, they're very dear to me, but no, it's an honor. You know, and it is, it's, it's one of those parts of uh, the universe that uh, often isn't really represented. And so it's, it's nice to be able to talk about it and talk talk about what we do yeah yeah sure so um let's start off with background how did you get into it in the first place well i was a musician i was i was born in 19 no i'm kidding so (laughs) you know i was a musician uh you know starting at a young age started playing live and moved to los angeles from the east coast because i wanted to be a rock star and kind (laughs) of did that whole thing for a while and i was pretty successful at it but then at some point i shifted gears a bit and i was always a always very 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 into photography as an amateur and then i had a few other musician friends coincidentally that got into animation and sort of at the at not the birth of the industry of course that would have been ILM in the 70s and you know mm. Robert Abel and Associates and so there, there was there were already uh you know a, a very good visual effects sort of community out there but it was still very much in, an, in its infancy compared to where it was today so I didn't know much about it other than I had seen growing up shows like movie magic where you'd see yeah. uh, you know Superman laying on a blue cloth on a table and then there's a blue screen well, what does that do? I don't know, but it looks kind of cool. And so long story short, I, as I got away from, uh, from music as a career, I had some friends in the photography world who needed, uh, some assistance. And so I, I kind of worked my way up for many years as a photographer while some of my other friends, uh, like I said, who had been sort of playing, you know, the same, the same sort of lifestyle as I was, you know, touring the world and playing up and down the Sunset Strip and doing all that. Hmm. They went to work for some animation companies. And after a few years uh, of seeing what they did and me having some sort of, you know, skill in the visual arts uh, by this time, took an interest in what they were doing and basically stuck my foot in the door and said, hey, I want a job. And I took my photography portfolio in and sat down and became a compositor. That's, you know, that's how it all started, really. <laughs> yeah. And I went back, obviously, and looked at you up on IMDb because it's all, I always end up scrolling to the bottom of the IMDb to see what oh, the first, first thing I do. Yeah. Just, just to say, because you find some great things down there sometimes. So uh, first thing on your IMDb is jingle all the way. Oh, uh, yes. <laughs> which is fabulous. What I rather love, though, is is the job titles after that, because for the first sort of few years of your career, I describe you only as a, a digital pyromaniac because it's Inferno Artist, Lead Inferno Artist, Flame Compositor. Oh, yes. <laughs> Inferno, yes. Inferno Flame, right, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I, so I, it, it is interesting because if you, if you look at people that have taken my path, you'll see very similar sort of structures of, to that in IMDb and so yeah, I started as a compositor, and then uh, at some point I became a compositing supervisor. Flame and Inferno uh, are, you know, it's an Autodesk software that they use a lot in commercials, and at the time we used a lot in feature films. Right, yeah. And, yeah, and so I became a Flame and Inferno artist. I, you know, and it's funny because a lot of people would say, well, what do you do? And I'd say, well, I'm a Flame artist or an Inferno artist, and, and most people think, yeah, well, what do you, do you set stuff on fire? And so <laughs> yeah. you're, not, you're not wrong in thinking that. Uh, but yeah, so I did that for a couple of years, uh, actually many years, and then... Uh, 
you know, made my way up through the ranks uh, to what I'm doing today. Yeah, yeah. I also like the fact Solaris, you got CG Planet Supervisor, which is a great yeah. job title. <laughs> yeah, right. So that's one that I, that I, cause so I was a, I was a visual effects supervisor on that show for uh, Rhythm and Hughes, but I wasn't officially a visual effects supervisor, like in their ranks yet. Right. So no one really wanted to call me that. So I was like, well, what should I be called? And and so a lot of that show was this CG planet that we developed and, and did. And that was yeah, yeah. besides a lot of blue screen work. It was that that CG planet was the, the mainstay of most of the work, along with a lot of uh, spaceships and some things that Cinesite did. And so, yeah, CG planet supervisor. I'm the only guy in the world that ever got that credit. So. <laughs> That's awesome. <laughs> Yeah. Um, so yeah, the, I think the first thing you get the proper uh, visual effects supervisor title in is the Percy Jackson and the Lightning Thief. That's right. I think, yeah. and you did. Uh, you also did Cabin in the Woods, which is a great little film. So yeah, you've you kind of stick around doing films until about 2016, and there's a switch over to doing more TV stuff. Was that sort of a conscious move, or would just where the work was? It's, I mean, everything was kind of a conscious move, but all wrapped around survival in this industry you know yeah. as we know it's a nomadic existence or it can be if you're not careful and uh, a lot of people including myself you know i don't i don't want to move around i have a i have a family and you know and and I, I, I love traveling and i love the travel that the job brings and i'm always excited to do that however i don't want to be doing that you know every every three months like many people have to from studio to studio whether it's montreal or you know vancouver la new york atlanta or somewhere in europe and that's all fun and exciting but basically i had to make a decision just like i made a decision to become a supervisor based on where i wanted to place myself in the industry and what i wanted to be a part of yeah. i you know for a while i did commercials before i was a film visual effects supervisor i was a visual effects supervisor um and for about three or four years for a couple of uh, pretty high-end directors in uh, in doing commercials. And that came right. out of being a flame artist. Um, and I, I kind of, I was like, wow, I dig this job. This is cool. I get to, I get to be the boss, right? And I get to tell other people, you know, <laughs> how, to, how to bring to the screen the things that I no longer technically want to have to deal with every day. Although we all do, because we know, you know, we know my job is 50% art, 50% technical and if, if there was another 50%, it would be, you know, it would be uh, like a sort of client. So, you know, but that's too many percentages. Right. Um, <laughs> anyhow, but no, I, so yeah, everything left LA, right? So Rhythm and Hughes uh, was a great, uh, a great opportunity for me for quite a long time. I, I learned a lot there and, uh, and did a handful of features there. And then, uh, as we know, that uh, bankruptcy happened and mm. once again, shifted in the industry and, uh, I was there right to the bitter end. Now they, they they're still around in in a smaller form, but I broke out thankfully with some good contacts and uh, some chops under my belt as a visual effects soup. And so I I went and did a few a handful of smaller uh, independent films for with some people that I adore. And then I noticed like, well, if I want to maintain, uh, you know, if I don't want to move to you know Canada like everybody else, what what can I do? And I had some contacts in, in television work. And so I decided to do that, you know, kind of against my best judgment. Cause I, I didn't know how they shot TV. I thought, well, what do they do? Is it like on a stage with a video camera? Like I had no idea yeah. how they shot television shows. Turns out, you know, because basically with HBO and Showtime, Amazon, Netflix, a lot of the higher end stuff that we work on, we're basically making 10 to uh, eight to 10 hour movies is really mm. what we're doing. And so 
I found my, I found my, uh, my way into it uh, pretty smoothly and I've been enjoying it ever since. Yeah. No, I mean, the, the, there's such a blurry line between TV and film at this point. It's ridiculous. Oh yeah. So one of the main shows you've been working on quite recently is the outsider, which is the HBO show, which it was one of those that I, I knew it was on. And uh, until I knew I was talking to you, I kind of avoided watching it cause I'm not huge on horror, but it's not really a horror thing. It's a crime drama with some supernatural stuff sprinkled it across the top and i absolutely love it it's brilliant it's one of those shows though that like quite a lot of the things you work on actually you look at it and there doesn't appear to be that much of freck stuff in it but i rather suspect there is a lot more than you actually see how many effect shots are you kind of doing for that show and what sort of work are you doing for it well that's one of the secrets of how I crafted my career is to do as little work as possible while getting paid as much money as possible. So, <laughs> so, no, I'm kidding. Um, but no, you know, you touch on a point that that comes up a lot and it, and there's a lot of, it, it's, it can sound very cliche, but I, in the outsider, I think we did close to 850 shots, something right. like that. And the trick is obviously that we don't want the audience to see what the visual effects are unless of course it's a creature or something a spaceship you know something mm. that you didn't know couldn't exist otherwise but for a show like the outsider you know you 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 hit it on the head when you said that it's not a horror film it's 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 kind of a detective based thriller that by the way gets more and more exciting as it unfolds yeah but yeah it it doesn't rely on visual effects and you know one of the things Jason Bateman said at the very beginning uh, of pre-production was well you know this isn't a visual effects show but we know we're going to need visual effects to support the story and do the things that we want to do and those are the type of shows that I gravitate towards mostly you know with true detective and a bunch of other projects out there some that I'm working on right now but you know I don't want the audience if the audience sees my work then I haven't done my job now of course like I said, if it's if it's meant to stand out or meant to be something that's like a visual effects driven show, like the Orville, right? Okay, yeah. those guys aren't all in a spaceship, right? So that's clearly, you know, a sort of a you know sci-fi stuff. Then you know, then you want your visual effects work to. I, I always say this: if it's a show that doesn't is not a visual effects show, the, the visual effects have to be one hundred percent realistic. Otherwise, it pulls you out of the show. Yeah. Now, if it's a creature or a sci-fi show or something like that. You want the work to be 100%, but you can get to about 97% and you're fine because people know they're watching a visual effect, right? You don't have to be 100% convincing in, in, in all aspects. And so there's a little bit more leeway there, just like if you're doing Godzilla as a CG creature or doing a dog. You know, it's very yeah. it's much more difficult to do a dog. Mm. So, yeah. So, no, I'm glad you didn't see any visual effects. You will as the show unfolds. But for now, that means I'm doing my job. So talk me through a kind of typical day for you. What are you actually doing on a sort of daily basis? Well, it depends on what part of production uh, I'm in. Like I said, currently I'm sitting in a car with cameras strapped all over it doing background plates in New right. York, which is really me conniving everybody to let me do it so I can just sort of be on my own in New York for a fight and <laughs> not have to deal with anything. Again, pay me money to do very little work right now. It's actually quite a lot of work um, and early mornings. And, uh, it's, yeah. not, it's not as fun as it could sound. But my typical day, and so if I'm in pre-production, I'll, I'll be in production meetings. I'll, I'll be down with the, uh, you know, either in the studio doing pre-production work, which, you know, for pre-production in the visual effects world, it's oftentimes coming up, well, 
reading scripts, budgeting, bidding, but then also, you know, on the phone with directors and producers and who are the creative person is in this case, it was Jason Bateman early on, then Andrew Bernstein, um, other executive producers and people from HBO and you all kind of figure out, okay, well, what does the show want to be? What does it look like? And so then we start putting into play concept work, for instance, in this show, uh, in the outsider, it is, uh, it is supernatural. So there's, there's a bit of that that runs through it and you'll see more and more of that as the show unfolds in some way. But, you know, we, we had to make some very serious decisions about how do we do that without making it a sci-fi show or a mm. horror, horror film, right? Yeah. So a lot of concept work, um, which we have, you know, at, at Fuse FX is the studio I work for right now and, uh, and the main studio for the show. So we have a, a full concept uh, art department that puts together uh, kind of just round after round after round of, of sending it to the client and discussing about, well, you know, what do these characters look like? What do the environments look like? What is, you know, some of the things you'll see coming up look like? Um, so there's that. Um, in production meetings, uh, or just on the floor, you know, if I'm, if I have another show going at the time, if I'm in prep on something, I may be finishing up another show. Uh, sometimes that's, you know, weeks and months and months in the studio in post-production. Then when the show kicks in, if I'm the one shooting it, which is generally the case, I usually shoot most of the work that I work on. That's not always the case for visual effects suits. Yeah. A lot of people, are, you know, they only do it in post. You know, somebody goes on set and shoots and then you take it over in post. For me, generally, I, I do the whole way through. And so um, so I'm prepping. I'm in the studio for a long time and then I go on set. So for The Outsider, I spent uh, I think it was five, six months in Atlanta New York, Alabama, and a few other places that we shot. And uh, that typical day is, you know, up at the crack of dawn out there with uh, either scouting or with the uh, with the crew. And then you're on set shooting all day and solving problems and, you know, entertaining ideas and coming up with solutions. And yeah. that's uh, that's what I love to do the most. Um, I really, I really enjoy because you get to do a lot of cool stuff that you, most people don't get to do. You know, I mean, you know, flying helicopters over the Hoover Dam. And I mean, just there's all kinds of stuff you get to do that most people aren't, you know, you drive 100 miles per hour through the streets of New York because you have the whole street shut down, things like that. Yeah. So, I mean, talk me through some of the shots you have done for The Outsider that are visual effects heavy, even though obviously we won't know that they're effects heavy. <laughs> well, there's some things coming up later that I can't talk about that obviously, are more yeah. obvious. Yeah. And, and some of that stuff is more obvious visual effects. Um, and, and you'll, you'll know it, mm. but the things that you, the things that you, well, one of the most sort of mundane visual effects that we do, especially a lot in television, uh, more, more and more is being done in film, but our car comps, right. And, and nobody loves to do car comps, but car comps really, if they're not done perfectly well, they give themselves away. And, uh, there are a lot of instances I could point to for that, but I won't specifically. Um, <laughs> And so, you know, there's a lot of that kind of work in this show and in, in most episodic shows there is. Uh, the other things that are a little bit more media that I can talk about are environments, right? So whether they're fully CG environments or just set extensions or changing an existing uh, location. Right. Um, you know, things like the barn. The barn really wasn't in that field surrounded by a forest. It it was here and there a bit, but there was a road and a little town and people and things we had to get rid of and adding a CG forest and, you know, and then they didn't like the cows. And so you change the cows, you add cows or you, you know, just things like that, that, that you don't ever want to see, but it just enhances an environment or it, it shifts different environments together. For instance, there's a graveyard that needs to be next to, you know, a location and, you know, in the real world, those are 50 miles apart. So we have to bring those together 
on screen. So things like that, which I really enjoy doing because it's, you know, it's, it's a lot of CG work. It's a, you know, it's a combination of CG work and matte painting and kind of, I don't know, just bring together some of the things that I enjoy doing the most. But yeah, so, uh, you know, and, you know, there's always the sort of blood and gore work. Uh, there's also some face replacement work in this show and some body double work, some CG body double work, things like that. Um, that again, hopefully we've done a good enough job that you don't know the difference between the actor and our version of that actor. Right. Yeah. No, I mean, I, I certainly in the bits I've seen so far, I wouldn't have noticed anything. So, right. You didn't notice the dragon that, that flies through the screen? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, no, I didn't, didn't spot that. <laughs> <laughs> Do you have a a particular favorite shot out of the shots you've done so far that you can talk about for that series? Mm. Or is it so, something that's coming up later? Yeah, it's it really is stuff that's coming up. Right. I mean, it. it yeah. I mean, there's there's a lot of a lot of great stuff in the show right now, but you know that that's that's been up through episode five and six. But it really, the the good stuff is coming. Right. Okay. Well, let's open that uh, that question out a bit more. Um, out of the various shows that you've been working on, because, uh, I mean, you've got stuff like you, obviously, True Detective, you worked on The Good Doctor, you worked on as well? That's right. Um, and uh, you're on Bull at the moment. Um, Penny Dreadful. Penny Dreadful as well, yes, which, I mean, is a, that was more an effects-heavy show. Yeah, that, that's a much more effects-heavy show. Do you have a, a favourite shot or something that was was particularly challenging to do that came out and you were like over the moon with the result for it. Hmm, that's a good question. A ask me something else, and I'll, I'll have to think about that <laughs> one. Because uh, there's just so many, you know. Yeah. Um, yeah, there are so many. You know, I, I can say this. One of the things that I enjoy doing a lot is, is, is are period films. And so Penny Dreadful is a period piece. Yeah. Uh, I did a show for Amazon a couple of years ago. And again, this is just an example. I mean, I could I could create you a huge list of all of my favorite things. But just sort of categorically, when you have to take today's world and change it into 1930s or, you know, 1950s, even the 80s, you know, those are some of the more interesting things to me because there's just like you look all around you and whether it's downtown L.A. So the show, you know, or New York, my God, you know, and then with Penny Dreadful in the 30s, you know, 1930s downtown LA, there's just a lot of work. Again, a lot of it you wouldn't see other than you know that they're not shooting this in the 30s and mm. replacing an entire street of buildings top to bottom, like we're shooting on Broadway and you can't have any of the storefronts, but they like the windows of the third story up in some of the, you know, the the fire escapes and that's sort of all you get to keep and everything else goes. It's, it's that blending of the real world with a world that doesn't exist anymore, a world that would never exist. Mm. Um, I mentioned the show for Amazon. It only had one season. It was called the last tycoon. Yes. And, I mean, it was just such a beautifully shot show. And we, you know, we shot it in a really, the, the main studio that, that plays in the film is just supposed to be Paramount studios, but it was shot on a, this uh, little studio that almost doesn't exist anymore in the middle of Hollywood, this tiny place that we had to expand. And and so that was full aerial shots of 1930s Hollywood with the Hollywood land sign and the hills behind it and all the studios and like really large, broad scope CG environments and stylized in a way that just, you know, it's just like the, that beautiful environment, matte painting, set extension work that, you know, that's that's just really pleasant to look at. and. And you see that and you go, you know what? That doesn't even really have to look 100% realistic, but it's just a beautiful image. And, and sometimes that's 
you know, just like Lord of the Rings, right? There's all yeah. those matte paintings that look fantastic, but they're, you know, they're ever so slightly hyper real, mm-hmm. um, but they're just so beautiful to look at. And so, you know, a lot of the uh, period piece stuff, sort of has that tone to it, which I really enjoy. Yeah. I mean, there's a number of those kind of alt history things floating around as well at the moment. I mean, things like the Man in the High Castle and and yep. stuff like oh, that. Yeah. One of the other VFX guys that I interviewed was one of the guys that did some work on Man in the High Castle. And uh, I never thought about this, but they do hang red banners off the buildings, but obviously they don't have the logos on them because right. people are yes. slightly upset if you start hanging large yeah, no, stickers around. Nobody would around. really like that. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. No, well, I just and the other thing too, like Man on the High Castle and, and, and even very realistic period pieces that aren't quite alternate realities. Yeah. Um, you know, still like Man on the High Castle, we have to be very genuine to what we knew about the Nazi look and feel of things in the Japanese and how that might play in our own worlds. That's a pretty interesting example of that. And, mm. and things that are period that just need to look exactly like they used to. It's, it's, it's so much fun when you're standing on set imagining what this is going to look like. And then you see a hundred extras, you know, coming towards you dressed in their finest 1920s and 30s garb with the hairdo and the makeup. And, and then you start to feel kind of where you're at and the way it looks and feels. And it's just, you know, you're, you've got all the cars and vehicles and it's sort of the, the whole picture sort of starts to develop. And then to be able to finish it off in posts with visual effects is just sort of the icing on the cake and, and seeing all of it come together. I guess that's that's the stuff I get excited about. Yeah, no, I mean, it was interesting you saying with The Last Tycoon there that it was supposed to be Paramount and you ended up shooting it somewhere else. Whereas Paramount, I mean, there are large portions of Paramount that still kind of areas inside there that look very much still oh, like I, they did. Absolutely. Know? Yeah, yeah. And we, we shot a little bit on Paramount. Uh, actually, we shot the pilot on Paramount. And, right. And you know, the most we had to really do there is change like the logos on the sound stages and a few things here and there. But that that place plays for 1930s, you know, you know, when it was built. So yeah. and and coincidentally, if that had gotten picked up for another season, we were going to shoot on Paramount uh, to finish, you know, to finish out that series. But yeah, well, again, didn't happen. So. Yeah. Yeah. It's a real shame that. Um, yeah. <laughs> in terms of sort of other things, can you think of one thing that you've been most proud of that you've worked on? I mean, really. Recently, I'm just really happy with the value, the production value that happens with some of the higher end episodic shows. I was uh, with Rhythm and Hughes. I was a part of some, you know, Born Legacy. Some of the work we did in Born Legacy with uh, with the compositing to put him in those mountains and mm. you know, all of the stunts and everything in that show was pretty impressive and and fantastic. Uh, Life of Pi, which I was I wasn't involved with uh, as a supervisor, but that was a show. That was, was just utterly groundbreaking. Bill Westenhofer is a dear friend of mine. He was the visual effects supervisor on that show. And just being part of that um, and the development and trying to bring something to the screen that, you know, had been done before, but not to that level. And, you know, with that film, we were sparing no efforts to, you know, to bring something to the screen that, you know, won the Academy Award. So yeah. that, that was the highlight. I mean, that one in particular was was it was just great to be around and be a part of. Percy Jackson was a lot of fun. Um, but, you know, yeah. I also love doing Jingle All the Way because it was it was fun to <laughs> finally be sitting there on the computer, you know, looking at cool stuff. Really, I was yeah, very yeah. excited. I mean, you know, yeah, you worked on Titanic as well. You know, it's funny because I, uh, I that was probably one of the first interviews I ever did. And even though I was a I was an Inferno artist, uh, we did uh, we did a lot of work on the the boat sinking, uh, the the boat sinking uh, sequence. Sure. And that, 
also in the engine room, uh, all the miniature work and uh, compositing in the engine room sequences. Um, but uh, that that landed me on the front page of my home newspaper, uh, <laughs> the, the Hagerstown Herald or something. I can't remember the Herald Mail in Hagerstown, Maryland. Uh, yeah. So I did an interview for that. And, and there I was. My mug was on the front page. So uh, my family and friends were, were very excited about that. So. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, no, but but again, to be part of Titanic, I mean, that's a film that's become legendary, and yeah. you know, I'm, it's, I, everybody has their own feelings about it. But honestly, it, you know, it's James Cameron. It was legendary. It was a big, big deal. And so, to be associated with that and having worked on something like that, yeah, it's pretty good. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, the the rest of the films did some really interesting things in there as well. I mean, you've got things, bigger things like Star Trek into Insurrection in there. You know, obviously Titanic, yep. but then you've got like, smaller movies like Pushing Tin, which. Yep. Is a great little film. Uh, then you've got X Men Two, Night the Museum Two, and then like I said, Cabin in the Woods, where you're yeah. the flame compositor on that. I don't know if there's a film credit on there, but uh, Walk in the uh, Walk in the Woods is that on there? Is that on my MDB list? Walk in the Woods. I can't see it. No. Oh really? Okay. Oh yes, well, yes, yes, to... yes, it is. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, so talk about a fun adventure. It was. Uh, that was Robert Redford, you know, and just seeing, meeting him. And, you know, I'm not a starstruck kind of person. And of course, in the profession, especially on set, you can't be, you're just, you yeah. know, one of the gang. But, um, you know, that, that, that was a moment. Plus I was working with some superstar talent. Um, I mean, it was Nick Nolte, which good God, how much time do you have? There's some stories <laughs> I have that, that, that he is, he's such a character and one of the, the most friendly, amazing people to be around. I have to tell you. Uh, so yeah, no, I, I could sit here all day and talk about little nuggets like that. that have just been really great to be around. And, and it's not always the big films. It's not always the big show, whatever it is, you know? And I think that's the thing that I've learned most, you know, and having transitioned from film to TV and grown up in the industry for the length of period time that I've had is to appreciate everything that you're on and, and give everything your best because, you know, you never know, you never know who's going to be there and who's going to be the next guy to hire you or who's going to be the next guy that's associated with, you know, I've seen PAs grow up to, you know, you know, they're standing on stage getting an Academy Award. So you just got to really yeah. give everybody your best effort. And uh, yeah. Yeah, no, it's, it's absolutely true. I mean, you know, look at somebody like James Gunn, who started out making these weird little indie movies and then suddenly Guardians of the Galaxy gets picked up and, yeah. you, you know, you're creating yeah. these kind of massive vi visual effects things. So, I mean, you never know. That's right. No, you don't. You never know. So uh, what would you say was the most interesting experience you've had whilst you've been working? The most interesting experience was probably on a little movie called, again, I'm, I know this is supposed to be about the outside. Outsider. Um, there's a lot of interesting things that happened on the outsider. I mean, it was, <laughs> <laughs> oh God, especially the New York portion where we just, we came up to shoot uh, a small part of the show. It was Andrew Bernstein, uh, Sean Gowry, who's a unit production manager. Andrew is executive producer and directing producer. And we kind of hit the streets here. We, we scouted here and went back to Atlanta and then came back up here for a week to shoot an enormous amount of material in every borough, including Rikers Island, which... <laughs> You know, if you've never, well, you know, yeah, if you've never been to Rikers Island, first of all, you, you don't want to be there. You want to be there as a visitor, not as a prisoner. Yes, obviously. Um, you know, so stuff like that. I mean, God, you know, to be on that bus to Rikers Island. And it's funny because I, I lost I, I lost my wallet in the van and I'm getting out of the van and I noticed my wallet was gone. And they're very, very strict there, uh, as you could imagine. Yeah. I, I said to the, the, the one guard that was with us, I said, oh, my God, I said, I think I lost my wallet in the van which we were standing right next to, but you had to give, get permission to go back in the van, right? <laughs> right. So he says, 
He goes, oh, well, that'd be good for you to get because at, at the end of every day we take these vans t- and that we have the prisoners clean them out and they would love that. <laughs> so, so I was, uh, so that was, you know, that doesn't happen to you every day. Uh, yeah. But no, we landed in New York and we shot an enormous amount of work, uh, of stuff for the outsider here in New York in a very short period of time. Uh, it was a great deal of fun. It, it was almost, I equated to being back in film school again, although I never went to film school, but it felt like that, you know, we had a small crew of really great people. Some people that just came off, you know, the Scorsese thing of the Irishman that they did here. And yeah. just a really great group of local people that were just out kind of running and gunning and creating this, uh, this great show, which you can see, uh, it shows up for a minute in the outsider, but, uh, you know, we shot over a period of three or four days here with that. So that, that was a lot of fun, you know, that's related particularly to this show yeah talking about shooting at Rikers this is a thing which I I didn't really realize happens in America but they hire the prisons out as shooting locations which I'm sure doesn't happen over here well so yeah I mean the first couple of episodes on the outsider we shot in this old abandoned decrepit jail in Atlanta but we wanted the Rikers Island bit to be authentic uh, when Holly you know goes to talk to uh, some of the other victims uh, or, you know, El Cuco victims. And so, yeah, it, it, it's funny. What I learned is Rikers Island in particular used to allow a lot of production happen there. But then, I don't know, something happened a couple of years ago where something went down and we were always teasing uh, and joking about it that, you know, somebody ruined it for the rest of us. Because we, we got special permission to do it, but you're no longer, as far as I understand, you're no longer allowed to go inside the prison. Right. So luckily, all we had to do were exteriors. But still, across the bridge, onto the island, around the yards and you know all of that and so um but yeah it depends on where you are but yeah no rikers for some reason now they're not too hot on that they're yeah. pretty strict it, yeah. might, <laughs> it might be better that you don't know what happens <laughs> no yeah no we all i think we all know what the stories are but yeah it's best probably not to repeat them so. yes just just in case yeah. Um, yeah so um what are you doing next can you say what you're working on next um, or is it well, yeah. So I, you know, I, again, I work for Fuse Effects in Los Angeles. Uh, so I have, <laughs> I have shows that come through me that I that I bring there, and some some other, you know, people that want me to go independent that I'll work through Fuse and other studios. But primarily with Fuse Effects, and so it's fun because I get my own clients calling me from outside, and then I get a body of work that comes through Fuse that I pick up on as well. So it's a good relationship. Um, mm. So there's always something cooking. I mean, I'm doing Penny Dreadful right now. Uh, we're doing a lot of that work at our Fuse studio in British Columbia. We're doing a good bit of it in Los Angeles as well. I'm supervising our folks up in British Columbia and and the folks in uh, in LA. We're just about finishing up that shoot come towards the end of March. And that shoot's in Los Angeles. So yeah. I'm taking a bit of a hiatus while I'm here in New York, but I'm helping out uh, shoot that. Uh, Bill Kent is the main visual effects supervisor on that show, but they brought me on board now to, um, to help out with that because there's a lot of big work coming towards the end of that show. I'm also, uh, there's another show uh, that I got contacted. I don't know if I can say the name of it yet. Probably shouldn't, but but it could be exciting. It'll, you know, they want me to be in Italy for a year. I'm not sure I want to do that, but that I could mean- be be nice and so now i mean there's always so bold good doctor penny dreadful finished up the outsider i have another there's a pilot that just got picked up for hbo they just went to series the working title is showtime lakers project it's about the um and you know it's it's showtime lakers but it's an hbo show right, right. i don't know if you're familiar with the los angeles lakers but when they uh, aware of them yes yeah just a little bit well well and with what just happened with kobe you yeah, know, yeah yeah so sure. sad. but they're doing a show about when magic johnson was drafted by the lakers back in the 
'90s, and so again, it's a late late '80s, early '90s piece, which <laughs> it's kind of interesting. I, that when you do a period piece like that, it's just it's really groovy, right? So it's like 1970s, '80s, and '90s, you know, afros and bell bottoms and the big <laughs> collars and the you know, it's just really really fun. So I've got that coming up. That'll start shooting uh, in a couple of months. Um, and yes, there's for me, there's always three or four things minimum that I'm involved with one way or another. Wow. So keeping busy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Keeping busy. Try, trying to while I can. Yeah. yeah. No. Well, that's the thing. I think when you work in this industry, you you make as much work possible as when you can. And it's a balancing act because you want every client to know that they're number one. And, and in my book, they are. No matter what show I'm doing, they're going to get they're going to get all of my attention. And and the ways, you know, there are ways to work that out. Mm. Um, I have people that I hire in almost every city you can imagine to work on set for shows that I can't do that portion of it. Yeah. Although I'll pop in and out and oversee a lot of it. But yeah, it just depends on what production comes along. And, you know, unfortunately, there's so much work out there now that I'm turning down more shows that I'm taking. Um, so that's a good thing. Um, but you know, sometimes you got to turn down a great show because you, you know, I, I can't just drop what I'm on you yeah. know, and burn those bridges. You can't do that. So you have to be careful what you commit to, because once you commit to it, you're on it, you know, and you have to, you have to make sure that client understands that uh, they've got your full attention. So it, it's a balancing act for sure. Yeah. That's must be the, the really gutting thing. If something big comes along that you really want and you oh, yeah. can't because yeah. yeah. I know you got, you know, you got, I don't know, Scorsese, for instance, calls you up and says, Hey, we got this thing going on. And they're like, Oh yeah, that'd be great. But sorry, <laughs> you know, not that he's called me in a while, but uh, <laughs> we were just talking about him. So, you know. yeah, but yeah. no, it happens. It does happen. Um, you know, unfortunately, you know, one of the good things is about working for a studio like Fuse and having so many locations is we have a large bevy of talent that we can also rely on yeah. to bring on board and, and support those clients. And I get a lot of support from that studio and, you know, and the, the heads of the studio and the executives there. So I'm not all out there on my own as a freelancer with, you know, trying to balance four or five different shows with no support. There are guys that do that. And usually that becomes a bit of a train wreck. Yeah. I mean, you're a supervisor. You've got a team that you can work with that that seems to be the best balance you can get I think. yeah and, and and like not micromanaging everything you know you bring yeah, people yeah. on board your team that you rely on and uh and you have to find a way to help make that work so it's it's a lot it's a lot of me supporting them yeah that's the way it should be <laughs> yes <laughs> Um, okay, so last couple of questions for you. Sure. The first question is, what TV shows are you watching at the moment? So uh, I do like Bull uh, and I do like The Good Doctor, but I, yes. you know, I hate to say it, I don't watch, I, I, I do watch quite a bit. Uh, I, I love the, the Man in the High Castle. Uh, that that was fantastic. I, you know, there's a variety of things. Right now I'm watching, um, I just finished The Mandalorian, which was great. Fabulous. I haven't started watching Picard yet but i will that's also fabulous yes yeah yeah i've got to i've got to start watching that i've been traveling and working so much uh, i love fabulous miss mazel right uh, that's, oh yes marvelous mrs mazel yes mar marvelous yeah if, yeah whatever tv show i i say i'll, I'll get the title wrong <laughs> you know if it's a one word thing called bull i'll get it right but yes. everything else 
Yeah. Um, you know, I love True Detective. I love The Outsider. Uh, I really enjoy The Outsider. It, it's so much fun watching, you know, even though I know everything that's going to happen. But, you, you know, when the when the sound is done, the music's done, the, yeah. you know, every and everything's put together, even though I see most of the episodes at that stage, you know, there's something about turning your t- on your TV at home or in your hotel room and, and there it is. Uh, so, yeah, any, anything HBO, yeah. most things Netflix, Amazon, uh, you know, I'm a big fan of. Hulu. I love Castle Rock. That's a great show. Mm. Um, my God, there's so many. I, I, I know. So many I'm not even thinking of, uh, which it's really, I, I love it because it, you know, only benefits me with, with work uh, and, you know, in studios like ours, but, but the audience has a lot to pick and choose from. You know, what I don't like seeing are things that are just thrown out there for the sake of having something else to watch, you know? Mm-hmm. So I think most shows are pretty good, but, you know, I certainly gravitate towards some of the meteor stuff. Oh, and I love the new the new Planet Earth series. That's fantastic. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. No, who it, doesn't love that? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's all sorts of. I mean, and the the, the selection is only getting bigger because we're getting like even more streaming services launched this year. So. Oh yeah, the competition. I mean, with Apple and Disney, and yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Some of yeah. the Apple stuffs have been phenomenal. And yeah, I, I, we did. Um, I, last year I worked on uh, it was a Spielberg produced project. Yeah, him oh, bringing back uh, amazing stories. Yeah, yes. amazing story. Yeah, so I did an episode of that last year. Cool. You know, see how that comes together. But yeah, no, it's it's great. And 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 again, all of these companies are trying to they're trying to figure it all out. And and it's a little bit of the wild wild west right now. Mm. Uh, so it's really exciting to be a part of it. And we'll see what shakes out. There's uh, but in the meantime. There's, uh, there's plenty of clientele, I can tell you that. Yeah, yeah, no, I can imagine. <laughs> um, so lastly, if you had the opportunity to work on any TV show, can be something past, something present, or something in future genre, mm. what show would it be? And it can't be one you've already worked on. You know, it may sound kind of cheesy, but I've, I've always wanted to do something that was related to the Star Wars uh, saga. Awesome. Um, having been such a huge fan, and now that Disney has it and they're going to, you know, probably come out with multiple shows like the Mandalorian and things like that. You know, I hope to, I hope to be able to work on something related to that just because it's such a huge part of my childhood. And Mm -hmm. then, you know, that, that the whole George Lucas Spielberg, you know, genre in the seventies and eighties was sort of the birth of what we do now in many ways. And so, you know, if I had to just pull something out of the air that, you know, it would be, it'd be something related to that. I think I just, a, I'm not a, I'm not the world's biggest star Wars geek, but I am a fan of it for multiple reasons. Yeah. That's a solid choice. I think certainly given, I mean, it's know, an obvious choice, right? Well, so. I mean, maybe, but it's, <laughs> it's certainly, uh, it's certainly something that I mean, I, that, that would be my pick, I think as well, you know? So yeah, I mean, we are talking visual effects after all. And, exactly. You know, any, any, you know, as, like I said before, I love the matte painting work and things that you don't don't see but you know i also love doing that stuff too and if you could do it something you know related to that that, that would be a and you know what i'm sure i'll have the opportunity to so i just have to be patient yeah it's it's not like they're gonna let that license sit and not make money for them is yeah, it? they didn't pay but they didn't pay for you know billions of dollars to just yeah. <laughs> stop it so yeah exactly yeah. So. And, and you know what the thing too is um the mandalorian the quality I mean, and there's a lot of great technology that went behind that with led screens and and you know and just the whole world of visual effects i mean the quality is there it's not like they're you know it's not like they're turning yeah. it into a guys that 
that doesn't have value. I think they're treating it with the respect it deserves. And and so far, I mean, arguably, you know, a lot of the people in our industry are are real geeks, and you know, everybody has their own opinion about what the latest round of Star Wars films have been. But you know, I I, I tend to not be too hard on all of that. I you know, I, I just go at it and enjoy it, and I think they've done a good job with it so far, generally. Yeah, no, it's uh, it's really been phenomenal. So I mean, they're handling stuff well, I think, and you know, I know there's been hiccups along the way, but I think they're doing a good job so far. And I mean, the Mandalorian is spectacular. So yeah, and I'd like to say, I'm sure there'll be one that comes along at some point that you'll get a chance to do some work on. <laughs> yeah, I'll force my foot in that door sometime. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. All right, um, well, we've been on nearly an hour, so I'm going to let you go. Well, thank you very much. It's been a pleasure. It's been lovely chatting with you. Hopefully, we'll get to chat again at some point, maybe when your next show comes out, maybe. Sounds great. Look forward to it. Awesome. Have a great day. I will talk to you soon. Cheers. Great. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. Cheers. Bye. A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com.